Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Out Live, we have an action-filled episode featuring Dan Frakes of Macworld Magazine talking about the Mac Pro, Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider, and John Martellero of the Mac Observer. All this and more on the Tech Night Out Live. We have Dan Frakes from Macworld Magazine joining us this week. And we have a lot to discuss, so we're going to just dive right in. First of all, as some of you have heard, Apple released a new version of their professional recording suite called Logic Pro 10. And as they did with Final Cut Pro 10, they made it very cheap. So Apple's charging $199.99. I always wonder about the use of the 99 cents. I guess that makes people believe they're getting something cheaper than $200, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's been around for ages and everything from cars to groceries, right? That, that if you make it something 99 rather than the next dollar up, it seems cheaper. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's the whole, the whole app store and, the, and the iTunes store are all based on that too, right? 99 cent tracks, $1.99 apps. It's the 99 concept, the concept of nines. We don't want to get into that. But actually, the point being here is that they're selling the app pretty cheap. You have to consider here a professional-level recording app for $199.99. So that's fine, except if you're a user of Logic Studio 9 or whatever it was called, version 9, you don't get a discount. It doesn't matter whether you use the previous version, whether you've bought upgrades from version 1, whatever it was, you pay the same price as a new customer. Shouldn't those who have invested in that software over the years get a discount? Well, I mean, that's the, that's, that's the argument they're making, right? Uh, and, and to be fair, if you bought it in the last 30 days, I, I under, as I understand it, Apple will actually give you a refund. But if you bought it, you know, 40 days ago, you're stuck. I, you know, Apple's been saying this for third-party developers for you know, a couple of years now between the iOS App Store and the Mac App Store that, sorry, we don't give discounts for upgrades. If you really need people to pay, then you release a new app under a different you know, version or name, and then charge them for the price of that app. And, you know, at least Apple's, you know, doing it, do as I say, right? They're actually saying, they're actually doing what, what, they're, what they're telling developers to do. And they're saying, look, hey, we're going to make, we're going to make this cheap, but you're going to have to buy a new version whenever it comes out. Um, and in a way, that's kind of, it's almost like a subscription model, right? Except that you're not required to sign any long-term contracts. You, you buy this one. If you need the next one, you buy that one. If you need the next one, you buy that one. Uh, and well, it's like I, a pair of shoes. Right. They're right. basically using the pair of shoes model in this particular case. You buy a pair of shoes. If you go back to the store next week and buy another pair of shoes, you don't get a discount for the first one. Yeah. And I empathize with the people who bought it in the last few months, right? Because they just paid full price and now they have to pay $200 more to get the latest version. But I, you know, I don't know how Apple would, would address that anyway, right? Even if they had upgrade pricing, most places that most people that have, or most companies that have upgrade pricing, they say, okay, if you bought it within the last you know three months, we'll give you the the cheaper price. But three months in one day, and you're buying the expensive price. So somewhere along the line, somebody's going to get screwed, so to speak. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think Apple is 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 saying, look, we've been telling people to do this, and this is what we're going to do ourselves. And uh, I, I mean, the truth is that a lot of people 
don't need the latest and greatest, and they're going to be okay with this because they buy a $200 and they've got something that's going to last them for years, hopefully. Um, the people who really absolutely need the latest version, you know, they're used to paying a thousand bucks for high end software every couple of years anyway. So I think they're going to be okay with it. And for the average, you know, person who doesn't need pro level software, we, we buy an app for five bucks. If a new version comes out in six months, we buy it again for five bucks. It's kind of hard to complain about that really. Well, I was thinking also about the fact that you are bringing the price of software down, as you say, right. Recording software could cost $1,000 or more, but for $199, even for a budding artist or someone who's just getting into serious-level broadcasting or podcasting, it's not a big stretch. Yeah, It's not a lot of money. Imagine, for example, if Quark Express were available for $199.99. Now it's $849. And according to a new policy they have, unless you have the immediate previous version, which would be Quark Express 9. They have Quark Express 10 coming out soon. If you have version 9, well, now, of course, it'll be, I guess, free for a while to upgrade to 10. But if you bought it like last year, you can upgrade to the new version for the standard upgrade price. If you have an older version of Quark Express, you pay the full price. So this policy is slowly disappearing. At the same time, though, I would hope that more app developers would get with the program and say, okay, rather than being exclusive to 100,000 users, we cut the price, we can get a million users. I was thinking, for example, of Quark Express. At 849 if you're not a serious desktop publisher or graphic artist or whatever, or you're using it in your corporate communications department, you wouldn't buy it. $849 is a lot. But if it was one ninety nine ninety nine, and you want to get into doing documents that are more sophisticated than say Apple's pages, it'd be such a deal. Yeah, I, I think that I think that's true to some extent. That that the lower you may, you price it, the the more you're going to sell. Of course, there's also other costs too, right? If you get a hundred people paying eight hundred fifty bucks for your software, your support costs are going to be hopefully relatively small. If you've got a thousand people paying two hundred dollars for your software, a hundred dollars for your software, your support costs just went up by ten, and uh, you're making. Who, maybe enough money to cover that. Cover that, but you see where I'm going here. That yes, but a lot of these companies will also charge you for support if you go that's, to them that's directly true. That's true. for special support. You get a support contract. That's a separate transaction. That's a separate deal. Yeah. So yeah. you may get complimentary support for the first three months, six months. They don't have to change that. They can have something in the software. You want support? You contact us. After three, six months, whatever. You want support? You get a support contract yeah. that does not have to change yeah that's that's true for the big companies for i think that a lot of the concern is from smaller companies who are doing software that might have been 40 bucks or 30 bucks in the past and now is sort of being forced down by the app store to be five dollars or four dollars or three dollars and they're selling more of it but their support costs are also skyrocketing because they've got now i've got people not only people who are serious and would have gladly paid the $40 to use it in the past and knew what they were getting into. But now you've also got the drive-by users who say, hey, look, this app looks kind of cool for 2 bucks. Let me try it. And then they send five questions the first day to the, to the developer about why it won't do this, this, and this. Uh, and that is where this kind of thing is kind of hurting the little guy in terms of not letting developers say, okay, we want to charge a good amount for our software, and then we want to charge a small amount for updates so that the people who really use it 
can can stay up to date. Uh, but you know, to answer your larger question, Apple does to this day still does not seem receptive to that to that idea. People have been asking for that for years now for the iOS app store and for a couple of years for the app Mac app store and Apple just doesn't seem interested. And and they seem to be kind of laying down the law by example here, like we said, that saying, look, even we're doing it. Also consider if Apple changed that policy, you have a million apps or 950,000 apps in the iOS app store. That's a lot of work to change the structure so that all these apps that may have paid updates would be involved. So if you're going to drop the policy, that's the way to do it. But as I said, for a high-end app, even if it's relatively inexpensive, nothing stops a publisher from charging for support. We're not talking about the $20 app or the $5 app where someone says, this doesn't work, that doesn't work. We're talking about a sophisticated app where there may be extended support. And they should be paid for that. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That's an argument that nobody could win except Apple by not even addressing the issue, but by example, is very quickly destroying the paid upgrade discount. Of course, I won't get into the argument about having software that you rent in the cloud like the Adobe Creative Suite. More to come. We have Dan Frakes of Macworld Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. <laughs> So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth, slide into a recession, or at worst, depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common-sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. 
But did you know the Berkey's have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. Would you like to be able to disappear, to be invisible to the NSA and Obama spying thugs? Fortunately, there are still a handful of people carrying the torch for freedom and privacy. My friend Chris Peterson is one of them, and he made a video at privacyradio.com that you need to see right now. He'll teach you how to communicate privately, take your identity off the grid, and even disappear forever. Go to privacyradio.com now to see for yourself. Hurry, though. It's just a matter of time before Obama's minions have him shut down and this information is lost forever. Privacyradio.com. Now there's an amazing new natural antibiotic every person must have. It's Cell to Live Silver Solution, and it destroys over 650 hard-to-kill viruses, fungus, bacteria, and much more. Cell to Live Silver Solution has no expiration date, is great for emergency kits and storage shelters, and comes in 8 or 16-ounce bottles. Order today at 888-910-4367 or visit HempUSA.org. HempUSA.org, 100% chemical-free superfoods and unique health products. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. On the Tech Night Out Live, we have Dan Frakes, a senior editor for Macworld Magazine. Senior, not by virtue of his age, but his experience and knowledge. Right? Is that good enough? <laughs> I think we I think we've used that joke before, but yes, that, that, we have to repeat it every so often it, because yeah. we have people who haven't heard you before and they have to know who you are. Anyway, yeah. one of the more interesting developments at the Worldwide Developers Conference was the long-awaited introduction of an all new Mac Pro, looking like nothing you would have expected. Although some are saying that it's really a circular version of the Cube with more modern design. But you have lobbied for years for a mid-range computer, affordable with fewer expansion options. That didn't come to be. What about Apple's solution? Well, it, it, it halfway came to be, I think. Uh, in terms of what I was asking, what I've been asking for for a few years, I think we got kind of got half of what I was asking for. You know, what I was asking for was was similar an idea. The idea was that you get something that, you know, most of the people who who buy a Mac Pro, it might be a stretch to say most, but I'd say a good number of people who buy a Mac Pro don't really need all the expansion slots and card slots and you know all the things you can do with that huge case. But they need the power. They need a little bit of expandability and nothing else in Apple's lineup provides those things. So the idea was it would be great to see a smaller Mac, a mid-range Mac that, that offers some expandability, uh, but st- is still powerful and is a little more affordable. 
So in some ways, we got that. And this is the smaller Mac Pro with different kinds of expandability, but not, not nearly as much internal expandability. It's still powerful. I think the biggest thing that it doesn't have is a low price, because I don't think this is going to be a budget-priced or even a mid-range-priced product. Uh, it also doesn't have... You know, I was hoping for a little bit of expandability in terms of you know some hard drive slot or or maybe a remo- uh, excuse me an upgradable graphics card. But there's an argument to be made that this thing doesn't need those things because of the expandability it has and the power it has out of the box. So we got kind of half of half of what I wanted, but not everything. Um, that said, this is still a you know a, a dramatically new and different machine from Apple. So we don't you know for all of us who've been wanting a Mac Pro replacement for years, we finally got something. Now, I haven't been guessing too much about pricing. The current Mac Pro is, what, about $2,500 at the low end? Right. But something like this, they're putting in there two workstation-class graphics chips. Right. And those things don't come cheap. No, and, and in fact, none of what's in there is cheap, right? We've got, we've got the – it's going to be the latest Intel high-end desktop processors, and you've got um, two high-end – workstation class graphics cards. You've got Thunderbolt 2, which is the newest version that's not even out on anything else yet. Um, You've got a whole new design. I mean, basically everything in there is not cheap. They've got new faster RAM that's not being used anywhere else yet. I mean, Apple did basically an Apple thing. They said, okay, look, we're going to, it's going to be completely different, but we're going to put everything. This is our flagship Mac. We're going to put everything in there that we can. That's, you know, and expensive. And, and so I don't, my initial thought when I first saw this was, it's compact. It's not using a lot of materials. Maybe they can bring this in at a, at, a, at, a, at a low price. But then, you know, I got to thinking a lot more about it in terms of both what's in it and its place in the Mac lineup. And I, I think that it's going to start at a minimum at the same price as the, as the current Mac Pro, if not more. As you were talking and as I was considering what was in it, I was saying thirty four ninety nine. And there may be a couple of configurations with different memory options. Maybe they would offer a version with a lower-cost graphics chip for some who don't need it, but possibly different processor choices. But thirty-four ninety-nine, yeah, could I would be a be starting su- price. I would be surprised if they offered it with different CPU or different uh, graphics processors, just because they've been advertising it as all these things, and they've got up on their website starts with this and starts with this and has this much power. So I really think that what they talked about is the baseline, except that the when they talked about the processors, the, the, the number of cores and things, I think there may be an entry-level one that has fewer cores that says, okay, if you don't need all that you know, multi-threading and multi-processor core performance, we do have a slower one. But I think the graphics cards, it sounds like that's going to be standard on every one. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think, I don't know. I'm, I, I, I really, some, my gut just wants to say, hey, they got to keep it at 2,500. But I think you're right. I mean, I think it's quite possible that you're talking 3,000 or more for, the, for, the, for a base one. We'll see. And then they would still have different pricing for your solid state drive. Right, right. Okay, because solid state drive, we're talking about an extra $1,000 for a terabyte or something like that. You know, depending on the size drive you want, depending on how much RAM you want to add, because it's going to be super uber expensive, especially from Apple, depending on the cost of the processor. And Xeon processors don't come cheap. Yeah, these are the most expensive processors, so so that's going to be expensive. You know, Apple's gotten a lot better over the years at their RAM. Uh, uh, as, you know, as recently as as two or three years ago, they've 
started coming down a lot. Um, I, I should say as, as recently as maybe four years ago, it was still really expensive to buy RAM from Apple. It was always a better idea to get it third-party um, aftermarket. But I have to say over the last few years, Apple has come down a lot. It's still more expensive than, than if you went online and bought from a third-party vendor. But it's close enough now where the convenience of having it basically in when you buy it is often enough to, to justify paying a little bit more from Apple. Um, I'm hoping that holds true with this RAM because this RAM is going to be expensive. Well, the one thing I see here is you obviously have certain Macs where you can't upgrade RAM or you can't do it easily. But let's look, for example, at the iMac. Now, you want to upgrade to the maximum amount of memory, 32 gigabytes. It adds $600 to the purchase price. You could buy the same memory from any of the major third-party suppliers and pay half that much. Is that the case on the, on, the, on the new iMac? Yes. This is the 2012 iMac, and if I go to Mac Sales, and let's just do it online here, it's $600 over the 8 gigabytes it comes with. So now let's search for memory. Let's go 2012 iMac memory, and this is from Otherworld Computing, and this will be the 27-inch iMac and a 32-gigabyte Upgrade is three fifty nine eighty eight. So two hundred fifty. They've they've gone up. Well, then Apple's Apple's gone up a little bit. Yeah. So Apple is two hundred forty dollars higher. Yeah. But that's still a bit. You know, I mean, it yeah. makes no sense. You just buy the basic memory allotment. Now it makes sense for sixteen gigabytes because it's one hundred eighty dollars from Otherworld Computing, and it's two hundred dollars from Apple. So if yeah. you're getting sixteen gigabytes. You're better off with Apple because the price difference is non-existent, really. Sure. $21 doesn't make a difference. Mm-hmm. If you go into 32 Apple doesn't have the best solution, evidently. Yep. And this this one, the new Mac Pro, will go up to 128 gigabytes, and then you're talking real money, too, right? I mean, 128 gigabytes of RAM is, of, of new expensive RAM, that's, that's going to be a lot of money. I could see you matching the price of the computer itself uh, yeah, very easily because yeah, yeah, we're yeah. talking about error correcting memory and all these options for a high-end xeon processor we have the high-end dan frakes from MacWorld. i'm gene steinberger in the tech night out live the gcn radio network providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio g c n Great Talk Radio starts here. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com.
American gardeners and fellow patriots make the right choice with your money, time, and your family food supply. Choose 100% pure heirloom seeds in the Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com. Why spend more? The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com is only $37.95 and includes 20 varieties of pure, hardy, easy-to-grow heirloom seeds. Yes, only $37.95. That's 70% less than our competitors. You could buy three Survival Seed Vaults for less than one of theirs. The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com includes detailed planting and seed saving instructions and ships same day. Plus, all orders over $49 ship free. MyPatriotSupply.com is American owned by patriots like you. Passionate about freedom and preparedness. Call now, 866-229-0927. That's 866-229-0927. Or discover more emergency preparedness items when you order at MyPatriotSupply.com. Choose the original. Choose the Survival Seed Vault at MyPatriotSupply.com. There's a huge and hushed up conspiracy going on that's about to turn your lives upside down in the coming few months. Unbelievably, the media are keeping quiet about this. I'm sure they know it, but they probably know that revealing it on TV will generate mass hysteria and chaos. But I believe you should be informed about it. Because when the sinister agenda is finally accomplished and everything unravels, only those who know this secret info will survive and thrive. Go to 123conspiracy.com right now to see the truth. The video at 123conspiracy.com reveals the real, secret reason why Obama is after your guns and ammo. And it's not just in response to mass murders of preparing for war. It's something much darker. Go watch the video now at 123conspiracy.com before they shut it down. Again, that's 123conspiracy.com. Ceramic Body Armor is rated to stop six hits. But what about the seventh? Unlike ceramic or Kevlar, Infidel Body Armor is proven to take hit after hit, and it just won't quit. Reasonably priced and designed for the smart civilian prepper, Infidel stops hundreds of hits from small arms to high-powered rifles. That means safety and peace of mind. Buy yours at InfidelBodyArmor.com. Spelled I-N-F-I-D-E-L BodyArmor.com. Infidel Body Armor just won't quit. There may be a hidden danger lurking in our homes. And without the right equipment, you'll never know it's there. Maser instruments detect all forms of nuclear radiation, including alpha, beta, gamma, and x-rays. And are always on, just like your smoke alarm. Detecting, measuring, and monitoring nuclear radiation. Made in America. Laboratory gray and EMP resistant. If you can't reliably measure nuclear radiation, you're not fully prepared. But now you can be at maserinstruments.com. Spelled M-A-Z-U-R instruments.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. So the Mac Pro will come with a replaceable solid-state drive, memory, everything else goes externally. Now, I read a survey. I don't know if you've heard of this than where they said that 80% of Mac Pro owners don't really upgrade their boxes. I, I have I have not seen that one. I don't honestly I would be shocked if 80% was was accurate because while I agree that many people don't upgrade them more than RAM or another hard drive, I think 
many of them do exactly that. I, I mean, uh, pretty much every Mac Pro owner I know has at least upgraded their RAM or their hard drive at some point or added another hard drive. Uh, maybe that survey was talking about PCI slots or graphics cards, you know, things that are just, a, you know, a step up. But um, but the people who, you know, I know a lot of people who never touched those things, but they did love that it had multiple hard drive bays and they loved that it was easy to upgrade RAM. You know, we've had a lot of feedback from readers who are upset about the new Mac Pro because of that, because they wanted hard drive slots and they wanted uh, an upgradable graphics card. At the same time, I think that there's a point to be made that you'd rather have internal storage because it's not as cluttered. But I think most people will be just fine with with adding hard drives externally if they need them. I mean, it's one of those things where you're, you're in a gut reaction to say, oh, this is horrible. I, I need internal more internal slots. But the reality is, is that six months down the road, you say, okay, I need some more storage space. You plug in and drive and it's and you're done. Again, I think that there's there's some legitimate criticism of it. But I also think there's a lot of it that's that's gut reaction that once people start using it down the road, we're going to be thinking computers used to be big enough where you could put a bunch of hard drives inside. That seems weird. Well, Apple has always tried to throw away the internal expansion. The first Mac had no expansion. They added expansion and now they're taking it away. I was wondering, though, about the lack of an optical drive. Now, I understand for most users, it doesn't make a difference. But for professional users, it seems kind of curious. An internal optical drive may not make as much sense to the normal user. But for professional users, you kind of think it's a given and some people even want to. Well, I'm, I'm wondering about that because of the pro-level folks I know, hardly any of them use optical drives anymore. I mean, they maybe as to burn something for a client, but a lot of them use flash drives nowadays or thumb drives. Uh, and the ones that are doing high-end video and audio and stuff, the, the optical drives, the, the DVDs don't hold enough. They don't have enough capacity to hold what they're burning anyway. And so many of them ended up, if they needed an optical drive, using a Blu-ray drive, which Apple's never offered. So they have to do third party anyway. Um, so I, 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 I think that's probably personally my least biggest complaint about the new Mac Pro is, you know, I think that so few people really use them regularly nowadays that if they really want they can, you know, add it on and plug it in when they need it. I don't know if you saw, but uh, somebody just yesterday announced a, a Blu-ray slash DVD burner for the new Mac Pro that actually is the shape of it's a circle, and it 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 turns it it basically is a base for the new Mac Pro that fits underneath it. You know, now you've got some interesting ideas. This can inspire a lot of peripheral developers to do clever things. As a matter of fact, you can probably build an entire peripheral card and drive assembly dock or a breakout box and have it circular with a central portion where you can insert the Mac Pro and provide room for ventilation. Well, well I'm sure that, that uh, OWC newer tech is already working on a base that will have you know space for a hard drive and an optical drive and a, a couple hubs just like they do for the for the Mac Mini. And, and maybe uh, some way to latch it onto the yeah. Mac Pro so you could lift it and take it to another location as a single unit. Uh, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure those things, and, and and I'm waiting to see who the first audio vendor is that announces a, you know, a, a desktop speaker system with a subwoofer that's the exact shape and size as the, as the Mac Pro itself. Cuz you know that's going to happen. 
Well, there have been a lot of shapes out there. I tell you, if you look at the high-end audio market, you're going to see stuff that's far more elaborate than the shape of a Mac Pro. But as you suggest, this may inspire the peripheral makers to come up with their own solutions. So you don't buy a computer that has storage space for things you're not going to use. And when you need them, you could look at what Apple hopes will be a rich array of accessories. I mean, they have six Thunderbolt 2 ports each of which stores or supports up to six devices. That's 36 peripherals. That's a lot of stuff. Yeah. And, and again, uh, some of the people who are doing really high-end work where they really need a lot of storage, a lot of them aren't really – they're not using internal hard drives anyway. They're using fiber channel storage. They're using network raids. They're using the kind of things that you wouldn't stick inside anyway. So, I mean, I think Apple knows this. They know their pro market pretty well, and they know that – that a lot of people don't need that stuff, and the people who do, honestly, are going to just grin and bear it and buy the external drives that, that they need. And um, this is Apple's way of doing their thing. Apple's way of weaning people from the old ways. Well, and just, you know, Apple, when it comes to their high-end things, they like flagship products. They like they like. Th- to be able to say, look, this is our new thing. It's revolutionary in all these ways, and people will adjust, and this will be the way things go going forward. And sometimes that's right, and sometimes it's the right thing. And other times, it may not have been the right thing at the time, but people end up adapting anyway. And so I think that this is a little bit of both. I think what bothers me most is not that on a lot of Macs, you don't have an optical drive. We understand that, that Only some people need them, and maybe Apple doesn't want to charge you for something that you're not going to use. But when it comes to memory upgrades, there are more and more Macs that don't allow for it. Yeah. And that, I think, is an unfortunate decision because it makes it so inflexible. You decide, well, I can only afford four gigabytes of RAM now. But a year from now, what do I do? Yeah. Do I I have somebody take out the soldering gun? That's my biggest beef with the current Mac, Mac lineup. I, my nephew bought a new MacBook Pro a few weeks ago, and uh, I was helping him pick it out. And you know, he he had a budget, but when it came to the to to time to to pick out RAM, I said, just get as much as you can because you're going to be doing work that eventually you're going to need more memory, and you're stuck with whatever you get now. So um, if you have to buy a smaller hard drive now, because he was getting the non-retina one, so if you have to buy a smaller hard drive now to get more RAM now, then do that because you'll regret it later. And it's unfortunate because, you know, the, the iMac, it's a, the 21-inch. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, this is a computer that hopefully you're going to want to use for years. And, but if you didn't get enough RAM, I mean, you're going to end up with this really nice machine three years down the road that still works fine, except that it doesn't have enough memory. I also wonder about all the companies, the third-party resellers who have made a business out of selling RAM upgrades. And Apple is slowly, you know, by the death of a thousand cuts, taking away a lot of that business. Well, okay, there's only one line. We may expect to be discontinued eventually. There's only one MacBook line, the original MacBook Pro, that allows you to upgrade RAM. When it comes to desktop Macs, it's got the iMac, the Mac Pro, but the smaller iMac doesn't allow it. The Mac Mini allows for it. But in terms of volume probably 70 or 80% of the Macs you buy do mm-hmm. not allow you to upgrade RAM. Yeah. And, and you think about the third-party vendors who've made a living out of that, and they're seeing their business being taken away by Apple. Well, I, you know, we both know that Apple's never 
run its its company <laughs> thinking about third party vendors or or resellers. Uh, but you know, I, and and to be fair to Apple, there are uh, there are good reasons to do this. For one, it cuts down the support costs dramatically because you've got fewer user replaceable parts. You've got fewer warranty issues because users broke things. There's fewer failure rates if everything's soldered in instead of you know loose in in, in card slots, uh, and you can make your designs to have can be a lot more streamlined and lighter and thinner. But that doesn't get around the fact that, as you and I were saying, it's just it's one of the things where it's almost where you feel like they just went one step too far because being able to upgrade the RAM in your computer is. You know, it's very important. We yeah, can do the break. Yeah, very important yeah. to be able to upgrade the RAM. One more segment coming with Dan Frakes of Macworld. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Do you owe the IRS money that you can't pay? Are tax liens and levies ruining your life? Are you tired of being afraid just to go to the mailbox? If this describes you, then Dan Pilla can help. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla, and I've been solving tax problems for more than 30 years. In fact, I wrote the book that made it possible to negotiate settlements with the IRS, and I've helped thousands of people do exactly that. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. New changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever before eliminate their debts once and for all. There's no need for you to suffer another day with IRS debt. Call 800-346-6829. I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Got a simple question for you. Can you sell? Yes? Okay. Can you sell the intangible? If yes, and you'd like to work 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, with no overtime, no weekends, if you're passionate about not closing sales, but about opening relationships, if you truly have a desire to serve global clients who need your advertising expertise, and you're local to the Twin Cities and Burnsville, are hardworking, self-driven, with experience in sales, marketing, or advertising, are personable and a whiz on the phone, GCN wants to talk with you right now. 
GCN, the Genesis Communications Network, is one of the largest independent talk radio networks in the world, and we're hiring right now. We offer benefits and an excellent commission structure. Experience preferred, but we'll train the right person. Is that you? Submit your resume today to advertise at GCNlive.com. Again, that's advertise at GCNlive.com. Come work with the Genesis Communications Network, an equal opportunity employer. Farmers keep livestock lean and healthy with a mineral-rich diet. Then, before market, they cut off minerals, leaving them to crave high-calorie grains. If weight control is this easy, why prescribe surgery for humans? Introducing Longevity. You could avoid 900 diseases by getting 90 essential nutrients from Longevity. Check out 90 for Life at tobeyoungagain.com or call 855-79-YOUNG. That's 855-79-YOUNG or tobeyoungagain.com. Longevity. It's all about saving money, getting healthy, and creating wealth. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. So we're talking about Apple's decision basically to roll back the way their computers are sold back to the very first Mac where you couldn't install anything in sight. It was a closed box. It was an appliance. You couldn't change the RAM. The original Mac was that way. And more and more Macs in 2013 are just the same. Well, I, I think you hit on it right there, Gene, where you said it was an appliance. Because I think nowadays that's how Apple and, to be fair, a lot of consumers view their computers. They're, they're no longer this complex thing that that you have to know how to use and you have to know how to upgrade and service and that... It, 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 it's, you know, nowadays a computer is just like your TV. You buy it, you bring it home, turn it on, it works. You do what you need to get done on it, you turn it off and walk away. And I think, I think a lot of computer users, to be fair, are of that view. That, that's how they look at their computer. And so to them, it's just like your VCR or your TV. You buy it and that's what you have until you get a new one. But I think that for, it's for a lot of us who grew up with traditional computers, it's a hard pill to swallow that if our computer is running slow because we didn't order enough RAM when we bought it, there's nothing we can do about it. There ought to be a way. There ought to be a way other than to have somebody tear apart your computer and try to do something aftermarket to allow that. But if Apple is selling Macs... Yeah. I mean, clearly the market is... You know, Apple's Macs are selling well, better than other PC vendors by, by quite a bit. So clearly... Our concerns are not shared by the majority of computer users, but uh, it still seems like a shame. Apple has not called us <laughs> to get our advice on what they should do in terms of design. One thing, though, that I guess is encouraging about Apple is the fact that with OS X Mavericks, the focus has been on usability, not flash. All right, so we have maps, and so we have the iBooks coming, but... The focus is on making the Finder better, all the things that Apple has added 
to give you a better computing experience. And that goes against maybe the grain, because Microsoft gave you eye candy, so to speak, or eye nightmares, depending on what you think of Windows 8. Well, I, I think that it's par for the course for Apple in terms of OS X upgrades, in that each, each, each major upgrade to OS X has brought either new technologies and major new things that the OS can do, or a lot of refinement to the OS. And we've kind of, it's not, it's not a, a consistent pattern, but a general pattern that, you know, one year we'll get a lot of upgrades to features and under the hood things and massive changes to the, to what developers can do. And then the next year we'll get something that um, brings a few features that make it better, easier to use and more streamlined that, uh, that clean up some of the things that were introduced in the previous one. And, and I think Mavericks is a lot of that in that it's, it's aiming to to make Mountain Lion more usable to do things that people have been asking for, uh, and that that sort of thing. It's a it, it it seems to me, despite some major new features, as a more of a cleanup release where people are just happy saying, "Oh, they can do this finally," you know, um, or or helping them better integrate with with the cloud or, or iOS things like that. Now, a number of people in the media have gotten Apple's developer releases. Mm-hmm. Did you folks at Macworld test Mavericks to see whether it really gives you better battery life and a little bit more performance? We haven't done battery life testing yet because it's it's still, you know, it's only developer preview three, I believe, and there's still a lot of things under the hood that, that are gonna that are gonna change. And so we didn't want to be running a bunch of tests on battery or performance yet. Those are the kind of things that tend to be tweaked at the, at the end of the development cycle. So once Apple finalizes all the features, gets everything working the way they want, then they work on optimizing battery and processor performance, or excuse me, and, and performance and things like that. So, so we, that's definitely on our, on our list of things to do, especially because Apple is touting this as a release that gives you better battery life and better performance. I know there have been unofficial reviews posted online <laughs> that do point to improvements. Yeah. Well, you know, anybody who's doing reviews on a developer preview, you have to take with a big grain of salt. I mean, yeah, it, it's true. Some people have tried it and they're saying, yeah, look, it looks like it's doing what they claim, but let's wait until the final version because then we'll really see whether those claims hold up and, and by how much. I guess I want to see if there's hope for that kind of improvement. Yeah. That would be well, nice. I mean, the, the technologies are there, right? The things that Apple is doing in Mavericks are definitely the kind of things that are going to help with battery life and help with performance in terms of how processes are managed, how it can work in terms of uh, uh, of applications working so that they're accessing the drive or accessing the internet at the same time rather than um, you know spread out over you know uh, regular. I mean, because some of the things they're doing are like pulling memory and pulling the hard drive and pulling the internet. Um, they'll save up calls so that a bunch of apps will all do their thing at one time rather than when than whenever they individual ones need it. So you're going to get a lot less processor use and battery use than you would under under OS 10.9 and earlier. And so those kind of things are there. So clearly there are going to be some improvements. Uh, the question is that sometimes other features use more battery as well, right? So you've got these new improvement features that weren't in Mountain Lion, um, new features in apps, new apps that also use battery power. So you just hope that the technology that's aimed at saving battery power and using a more efficient use of processor are going to be 
saving more than the new features are going to be using, right? So that's one reason we don't, we wait until the end of the process before we start doing testing. You're concerned about the trade-off. And of course, it's interesting also to see that Mavericks, based on the system requirements of the developer releases, which usually don't change, supports the same hardware as Mountain Lion, which means Macs between four and six years old remain compatible. Yeah, and Apple's been pretty good about that with with OS X. I mean, I, I, to be fair, they've been good about that with, with iOS as well. But uh, especially with OS X, I mean, you've normally got Macs that are five years old that are running the newest version. And I think a lot of that is because Apple is, with each subsequent release of OS X, they're adding so many features that are that work with iOS devices and that work with iCloud and, and cloud-based services. And Apple wants to make sure that if you've got an iPhone that you bought last year, that all the features on your Mac work with it as well. Uh, and so you don't get in a situation where you've, you've bought a brand new iPhone and yet you've got a four-year-old Mac that you can't do stuff with. Um, so, so they've been pretty good about that. And uh, the truth is that the progress in computing has slowed down in terms of the, uh, you know, we, we've, we've gotten past this whole thing where every new computer has got to be twice as fast as the previous one. I mean, the computers today are a lot faster than they were five years ago, but they're still, you know, pretty much anything you can do today, you could do five years ago on, on a computer, right? Well, if you look, for example, at Macworld Magazine to get a sense of the performance improvements, you see, well, the scores are maybe 5%, 10%, 15% faster in the previous year. Of course, after five years, it adds up. But mm-hmm. it also means that last year's model and this year's model, under normal circumstances, you can't tell the difference. Yeah, a lot of the, in terms of performance, unless you're doing really processor-intensive stuff, a Mac from a year ago or two years ago isn't going to be a huge amount different than, than the ones from today. The bigger differences come in battery usage, for example, of course, the new MacBook Airs that get like 12 or 13 hours of life versus seven or eight for last year. Uh, and, and just other features, right? USB 3 versus USB, Thunderbolt versus Firewire. Uh, but in terms of performance, absolute performance, the, the, the curve seems to have, have leveled out a little compared to what we had five or 10 years ago. And that means you can keep a Mac longer. And maybe Apple doesn't sell as many new Macs but it keeps people sticking with the platform, mm-hmm. maybe buying an iPad this time. Yep. I'm going to ask you for a couple of very fast predictions or estimates. Do you have an idea when you think Mavericks will appear? Hmm. I'm going to say late August, early September, but there's a part of my gut that says it might be sooner, but I'm going to say late August, early September. Okay, late August or early September. What about iOS 7, around the same time? I'm going to say late September, early October. And to put this in perspective, the release of a new version of iOS is always simultaneous with the release of the next generation iPhone. Yeah, Apple has generally done that, although... um, Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think it was was last year they actually released the OS separately, um, not on the same day, because every time they do it on the same day, all their servers melt down and people on the internet go crazy. But, uh, but generally around the same time as a new iPhone, yeah. All right. Dan Frakes, tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. Oh, on Macworld.com, of course. Works for me. Dan Frakes, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. 
Thank you, Gene. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. There are those curious about Bitcoins and those using and making money with Bitcoins. What are Bitcoins? A Bitcoin is the first decentralized currency that can be easily transferred from person to person over the Internet. No bank needed. This means lower fees and accounts can never be frozen, limited or closed. You are in control of your money. And the best part? You can start earning and making money with Bitcoins right away. No computer or expertise is required to earn money with Bitcoins, and a growing number of merchants now accept Bitcoins. Plus, they're easily exchanged for dollars, euros, and more. Learn more about the easiest, cheapest, most profitable way to enter the Bitcoin market and get paid every two weeks by one of the fastest-growing Bitcoin miners in the world at cloudhashing.com. Just like it sounds, cloudhashing.com. That's cloudhashing.com. We mine your business. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. And before we focus on the world of Android and Apple and all those platforms, let's talk about Apple's hobby product. You had a story this week over at Apple Insider quoting an international marketing firm known as Frost & Sullivan that Apple accounted for 56.1% of streaming device sales around the world in 2012. 56.1%. Roku is 21.5%. TiVo is 6.5%. I guess Google's an asterisk with Google TV? Yeah, Google TV didn't take off very well. It didn't sell a lot of units. You know, they launched it. When was the big launch? I think it was 2011. And by the end of the year, he was... The chairman, Schmidt, was talking about how Google TV would be installed on all TVs going forward. But it's not something that really appealed to a lot of people. I think it was really technical. It's kind of like Google Wave. It was built by engineers, kind of four engineers, in a way that regular people didn't really see the value in it. And it's also, you know, Google's 
general model is to take other people's content and monetize it in a way that it can benefit from. But, you know, it's done that to the internet and at kind of at, at the expense of broadcasters and journalists who have just been like pushed out of their market. But to do that to the TV industry is a little bit more difficult to do. You can't just go in and take people's TV that they've been getting a lot of money from and that they've been monetizing themselves and say, here, we'll do your ads and we'll take all the money. That just didn't fly. And when Google's just tried to push this out without any sort of partnership, they're just like, here's it, here's, you know, we're just going to basically turn TV into the, the internet. The broadcasters pushed back and said, no, we're going to block your customers from being able to see our stuff because it's not yours, it's ours. And so Google, Google didn't really launch that correctly. They didn't and, think about making the agreements with the content carriers and content providers. They went into the market thinking that they could do what they did on the internet which, like I said, is a lot more difficult to do in an established market where you have not just the broadcasters, but also a very um, developed market for getting content to users. So you have the cable companies in the middle, and there's all these structures of this person gets access to this, and they want to make sure that nobody else has access to it. So, for example, there's a lot of television that you can only get through a cable company, and that's the same problem that Apple's working with. How do you How do you make new agreements with movie companies, for example, who have already given access, sometimes exclusive access, to the cable companies to certain types of content. That's something that Netflix is trying to figure out and you know everyone's trying to figure it out. How do we change the model in a way that's fair to everybody? Now, just in passing, Apple is reportedly trying to strike a deal with Time Warner Cable. So what they're doing is going to the carriers and see if they can work out something with them. At least that's one avenue. Well, one thing that's interesting is on the on iOS, because Apple still t- talks about Apple TV as being a hobby. They're not selling tremendous amounts of them. Um, it's just that nobody else is selling anything at all. I think in the last, I think cumulatively, they've sold maybe 5 million. I'm not well, sure. It's like they're, they're, Well, Apple has sold 13 million since day one. Okay, so it's maybe five million last year. Every year, it seems like it's kind of doubling. So that, right, that so it was actually six million last year. Okay, so but you know, for a lot of companies, that'd be a lot. In the old days, if Apple could sell six million Macs in a year, that would be good. So think about the numbers and how they've scaled. Yeah, that wasn't very long ago either. That was what two thousand six is when they started passing million Macs a quarter. And it's interesting too if you look at the market share. So 6 million Apple TVs a year is a hobby. But Roku sells a little more than a third of what Apple sells, and that's a full-time business. So to all the companies selling a few million of something is a full-time business, but to Apple, it's a hobby. Yeah, it's it kind of interesting to hear Tim Cook talk about it. it. He keeps referring to it as a hobby. Like, we still refer to it as a hobby, but it's not primarily, we don't know where the thing's going. It's, we're looking to see where it's going. And it's becoming more and more of a realistic thing. And one of the comments that 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 research group pointed out is that it's not just over-the-air video that's attracting people to buy it. In large measure, it's airplay. Explain airplay to listeners. They hear the buzzword. I don't think all our listeners understand what that means. Airplay is wireless video output from an iOS device. So instead of plugging in a cable and trying to figure out how to plug the cable into your television you have the Apple TV plugged into your television permanently via like an HDMI cable. From then on, anytime you have something on the screen, you can 
there are some applications that AirPlay a specific different thing. For example, if you have a Keynote application up, you can present just your you, – it can show what's different than what's on the screen. Or you can use AirPlay mirroring to show what's actually on your screen on the television. And Apple made it really simple. So you just push a button and it's playing on the television. It's, it's kind of like the next step of what they used to call AirTunes. Which is wireless distribution of your audio or video signal to Apple TV. So you think, or at least according to this company, a lot of people get an Apple TV just for that? I know what I get it for. I get it for all the various content. So, for example, if I want to rent a movie, I could go to DirecTV, but it's easier just to do it from iTunes. You can do it from iTunes if you want to buy stuff or rent stuff. Or um, I can go to Hulu Plus, or I can go to Netflix, Netflix. and I can do it all from the Apple TV. So they're, they're putting together a number of different options uh, depending on what you like. You can do it with Apple TV. Um, they also have put together some apps for sports and news and things that are, that are okay. They're, they're going to be moving iTunes Radio, making that available to, um, on Apple TV as well. That's coming with the iOS 7 refresh. It's going to come everywhere. So, I mean, they're, they're kind of incrementally working on how to make this device more and more attractive. But one of the key features is being able to take anything on your iOS device and mirror it to your television which is useful at home when you're looking at photos or something. It's also useful in education and government and business-type environments. There's some issues that Apple's trying to work out in terms of this kind of super-automatic system that it's, um, it uses Bonjour to discover itself. So when you turn on your AirPlay mirroring, it says, what device do you want to use? Do you want to use your living room television? Well, that works pretty good in your home. But if you're in a, like a college campus with Apple TVs in every room... How do you create a scalable system that allows for auto discovery? So that's something that they're working on is trying to figure out how to manage stuff like that. So it becomes more broadly useful to, you know, the enterprise and in education. But a lot of people look at it as a way to cut the cord. So you have iTunes, you have Hulu Plus, you have Netflix, you have HBO Go, although that requires some kind of cable provider with an HBO subscription. But Apple is looking to me to be exploring different ways to deal with content providers and carrier delivery or delivery systems. And they really aren't sure what they're going to do. I guess unless you wake up one morning and you have all the cable and satellite providers are there and you have all the various content delivery systems and suddenly you have a full-featured set-top box. Yeah, that's... Um a lot of people get their their uh, internet through the cable company or the phone company. So it's kind of similar to the whole voice versus data thing on in the cell- cellular market. They've the cellular companies have been used to selling voice per minute. And that's kind of analogous to the same way that cable companies have been used to selling, you know, packages of channels. Well, that's not really what people want to buy. People don't want to buy a specific number of minutes of voice. They want to just be able to use their phone. And the same way with, with cable channels, you don't really want to buy a package of junk that the cable companies put together to benefit cable providers or you know pe- these companies that make channels. We really want to just see the kind of content that we want to watch. And that's what Apple has been doing with iTunes. But they, it's kind of difficult because the people who make this content are sort of afraid of a lot of things. They don't necessarily want episodes of television to be super cheap in a, in the sense that music was that people will buy it. And so th- there's all these, how do we figure this out? How do, how do we change things without breaking too much? And 
one of the things you're seeing happen is, like you mentioned, HBO Go and other apps are coming to iOS. So they're originally on the iPad, and that's different because it's not the television. So a lot of these a lot of these agreements that were were the only way to get this on television were bypassed because now you can have a separate agreement. Now, this is how you can have it on tablets, but only on tablets. I will get into more of the complexities of that in a moment. Daniel Aaron Dilger joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Gold. It's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. Hi, my name is DeRay, suffering from migraines, having Botox injections in my head and neck to alleviate pain, costing $1,500 out of my pocket. I discovered Dr. Ortman and Gentle Touch Chiropractic Adjustment called Nuka. I'm migraine-free since my first adjustment. Thanks for giving me my life back, Dr. Ortman. I wish they prescribed you instead of Botox. Thanks, DeRay. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the solution. We design a nutritional supplement program the body can handle, actually absorb, providing nutrients, targeting the problem area. Between Nuka and nutrition, we will have you on the road to a faster and more permanent recovery. Look us up on the web at drwartman.com or call 952-303-9124. Let us help you feel better faster. Wellspring Spinal Care at 952-303-9124. Again, that's 952-303-9124 or on the web at drortman.com. 
Would you like to be able to disappear, to be invisible to the NSA and Obama spying thugs? Fortunately, there are still a handful of people carrying the torch for freedom and privacy. My friend Chris Peterson is one of them, and he made a video at privacyradio.com that you need to see right now. He'll teach you how to communicate privately, take your identity off the grid, and even disappear forever. Go to privacyradio.com now to see for yourself. Hurry, though. It's just a matter of time before Obama's minions have him shut down and this information is lost forever. Privacyradio.com. If you want to approach companies with your invention, the first step is to secure your patent rights. We are Russ Weinzimmer & Associates, a national law firm dedicated to helping you get strong protection for your invention. Already selling a product based on your invention? There may still be time to lock in your rights. Just call us at 800-621-3654 for your confidential free consultation. Or visit strategicpatentlaw.com. That's strategicpatentlaw.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. So Apple is one by one convincing the creators and the carriers to work with them to make Apple TV better. But is that the end game, Daniel? Is the Apple TV going to be the product that takes over the living room, maybe an enhanced version with maybe the ability to integrate your various peripheral devices on your TV set? Or does Apple make a TV set? Well, one of the one of the kind of sticking places right now is that there are a lot of cable options on the iPad, but because there's legal limitations on, on getting that same content to the television, you can't just mirror your iPad to the television. So a lot of people are, you know, you, I can watch this on my iPad, and I know my iPad can, can wirelessly distribute this to my television, and then when you go to do it, it's like, oh, it's blocked. It, can't, it doesn't work. And the reason is, you know, this whole cable cartel of they have agreements saying you can't put this on television. And that's being solely kind of Eroded as a cable company, see, oh, I can still play a part here. I can still sell, sell my cable service to people, and the people this will make it more likely people will subscribe to these channels like HBO. And then once they do, then I can you know be part of the system that helps them get the thing on their television. It's kind of a complex situation. It's more complex than the cell phone system was when Apple introduced the iPhone. So it's more difficult to go into the market and not be rejected in the way that Google TV was and not be blocked in the way that a lot of content on the iPad is. So it's kind of a, a work in progress. I think as Apple finds additional ways to make their products useful, like AirPlay, and adds other content into the mix, like games, we're already seeing there's a number of games that you either play on your iPod and see them on the television, or you have a, a combination of the two, where, like a racing game, where you have the map of your racing loop on your screen, on your handheld screen, and you're actually playing on the television, and you're using your iPad or your iPhone or whatever for a mobile touch-oriented controller. So there's a lot of stuff like that that's happening, and it's getting progressively better. Um, that requires a lot of really low latency, and so you have to have a good network. And so a lot of these things are kind of solving themselves over time. Devices are getting faster, network is getting faster, it's getting more reliable. I think we're getting to the point where you can play really good games on iOS, and incorporating the television in interesting ways. We're already seeing the, the beginnings of that. 
and that's going to be a major threat to the you know historical console players. You know, Sony and Microsoft, and Nintendo. What are they offering that you don't already have on iOS? And if you already have all these iOS games, maybe they do something more interesting in your living room. But why would you want a separate box that only sits in your living room? It just becomes kind of a an interesting evolution of where games are going. So that's interesting to watch. Now, with iOS 7, supposedly there will be more ways for third-party developers to develop game controllers for iOS. And to have a standard. I mean, there are already game controllers. The idea is that they're having more ways, more flexibility, more standardization. Yeah. So the game developers can say, okay, I'm going to build this game with the ability to optionally wrap your iOS device and this controller device so that you can play with joysticks and then you can touch the screen. So they demonstrated some some games where you could kind of go back and forth and, and doing this kind of um, new style of gameplay that uses both physical controls and touchscreen controls. So that's one way to add flexibility. So does Apple replace the game console or create a device that still allows you the realistic opportunity of working with other devices? Because that's one of the big problems with TV right now. It's not just picking the channels and having a simplified controller or a simplified way to select the channels you want, which is also helpful and maybe get rid of the channels that you don't want that you didn't subscribe to, it is integrating all those peripherals. You're still going to have a Blu-ray player, some will. You're still going to have a gaming console. You're still going to have the surround sound system. And making them all work together right now is the province of a universal remote, and they're awkward. Yeah, there's a lot of complexity in, in doing living room stuff right now. And I think we're getting to the point where, I mean, you can now, in, in most places download HD movies that are pretty good to watch. Maybe if you have like a huge theatrical sound system, you want to still use something that requires a disc like Blu-ray. But we're getting to the point where the threshold of what most people want is satisfied by the internet. You don't need to have a disc to be able to present really high quality entertainment and interactive entertainment. There's all these things you can do with iOS that if you compare it to, for example, the next generation of game consoles that are coming out, the, the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4, those are devices that cost three or $400, and the games for them cost 60 to $80. And they're more involving games, but it'd be interesting to see what the market wants in terms of who's willing to pay that much for games at a time when we also have other options, like iOS games, that are much cheaper and simpler, and you start playing, and then you're finished and it's done it's kind of more of a nintendo model but it's much cheaper than nintendo and it's a device a lot of people already have so people have already invested in an, in an ipad here's an idea instead of buying a 500 dollars four or five hundred dollar game console that sits permanently in your living room and then buying controllers that cost you know some of them cost around a hundred dollars a piece and they're hundred dollar devices so they don't have necessarily all the same things that a that an ipod touch would have might not have a camera, they might not have motion controls and all these other like features that are built into the iPod Touch and the iPhone and things that people already carry around with them. So you start having a kind of a shift in how people have already spent their money. And what does it make sense going forward? Do people want to have like a living room game system they play with, or do they want to continue to use the stuff they already have and like reuse their iPhone as a quite an expensive controller that has all this all these cool things on it that can do things that a regular controller can't do. And being able to, you know, to surf your television and set up your entertainment the way you want in a way that's really simple and doesn't require a lot of cables. And so it's kind of interesting to see how everything is moving at the same time. So we'll see how things work out. Do you think Apple would do the full TV set or leave it all to the Apple TV? 
I've said in the past that I don't think Apple will make a television because if you look at the way Apple's rolled out its stores, it's just it hasn't been it hasn't been building the the retail space and capacity for shipping large amounts of big electronics. If you look at companies that sell televisions, they have big box retail stores, you know, like Best Buy. Apple could certainly partner with other companies to do that sort of thing, but it's not it's, it's not really in keeping with what Apple has been doing in the past. I think it would make sense for Apple to license it out, license out their technology to TV makers. They might find some pushback from TV makers the same way that other TV makers weren't super excited somewhere. But in general, I don't think TV makers are real excited about throwing out their own stuff to put in Google TV. Well, look at it this way. Apple is working with automakers to embed their technology in new cars. So why not have Apple TV become a feature in a mid- to high-end TV. They license Apple TV, and Apple controls the entire interface for somebody's TV set, rather than build their own set. Yeah, it's certainly not... Um, that, that's certainly, like, a great conceptual way to go forward. And like you're saying, with, with automakers, it's already happening. There's a lot of automakers that are on board and are willing to say, yeah, Apple, take this over, basically deliver the same kind of results as you have for everything else, and just take over that part of it, because we make the car. And so there's probably a lot of TV makers that are similar that would be happy to have somebody come in and say, here, here's an interface that will work, that will sell. Uh, at the same time, you have, for example, in the, on the car side with BMW, they've already in- invested a lot of money into building their own like stuff. And, and BMW, by the way, has the iDrive. We'll get into more of this in a moment. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. <laughs> The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporeate e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide 
worldwide customers with Real People customer service. Fast, free, same-day shipping and a 30-day warranty and satisfaction guarantee. So are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle? Then call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Or visit LeSig.com, spelled L-E-C-I-G.com. LeSig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now, thanks to Dan Pillow, you can get the tax help you need to end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pillow. I've helped thousands of people reduce or eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. With the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. Or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all-natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. We're talking about Apple TV and the living room and mentioning briefly about Apple's interface being in some cars. So, for example, BMW has their iDrive. They've invested a lot of money in its development. Now, those of you who have tried iDrive think it's pathetic, but that's how it goes. We know that Ford has an investment with Microsoft with an interface and a product that is so roundly criticized that the overall rating for new Fords has gone down because of it. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of amazing how bad that sink is. Just kind of in general, it's like if you're a car maker, you know, if you're an Audi or a Mercedes or a BMW, you want to have differentiated features that bring people to your vehicles. And if everyone is doing iOS for auto, that's that's one less feature that's unique to you. But if everyone else is doing iOS Auto and and you're doing, you know, some weird thing that doesn't work as well, then that's a negative differentiator for you. So we'll have to see like how great Apple's product is. And you know, if you're used to using a phone, like I use my phone and I, I have the iDrive thing, and 
um, there's some things that are nice about it, and there's some things that are annoying about it. But one of the biggest annoyances is that if I start doing a navigation on my phone, there's no way to push that over to my car, and there's no way to get them to communicate. And th- there is some kind of rudimentary playback support. I mean, it's it's pretty fair, but it doesn't work perfectly. And it'd be nice if you had a system that you bring your phone into your car and it just works and everything just like integrates together and it's kind of done by the same company. And so I think Apple has a really strong chance to do that in a way that other companies don't. I mean, Microsoft Sync is based on some really old technology that is not at the forefront of what it's doing now. And if you look even, you know, the whole Metro Windows, Windows phone thing is falling apart. It's not being picked up in the marketplace. If you look at other vendors, I mean, there's really nothing else but Google and Google Android. And Android is kind of just a, a generic name for anything with some open source software on it. It doesn't really mean anything specific. It doesn't have a specific interface. It can look like anything. It can work like anything. You can have two phones from the same vendor that don't work and look alike. It's not like Windows of the 90s, where once you learn how to use a Windows computer, you can go and you know work in any company and you know how their word processor works. It's not the same as that. You don't have any sort of the you know muscle memory thing that you're learning, whereas with iOS you do. And even with iOS 7, it's going to look tremendously different. It works the same way. So once, you know, if you know how to use an iOS device, if you're using an iPhone, if you're using an iPad, you can go into the future and Apple's going to make it work the same. And this is one pop- thing they forget. They criticize the look of iOS 7. After saying Apple should change the look of iOS, Apple does it. Oh, it's too much. Yes, the critics of Apple are always hysterical. <laughs> you know, here's another story. Let's move on because we only have a segment and a half left. There's a story that came out this week claiming that the next iPhone, which will be, I guess, an iPhone 5S, won't have a 4-inch screen. It'll have a 4.3-inch screen. But wait, it's going to be delayed a couple of months because Apple can't get the screens. Now, this is nonsense. People just making it up or what? Well, Digitimes. Or who is it? It, was, it wasn't Digitimes. It was like Taiwan Commercial Daily or you know something. One of those wacky places. It's it's one of those things that um, you know somebody either says or starts as a rumor, and Bloomberg will pick it up and not qualify it with a "this is a site that just says whatever." It's from Taiwan's Commercial Times. You know they don't put out that this is from a a site that says random things, and also this this is not something that ever has happened to Apple before. Apple doesn't three months before expectation of something coming out change horses midstream and not have a supplier. I mean, that that's just so ridiculous. I mean, if you look at everything Apple is, Apple has, there's certain things in every company that are, you know, more flawed, like the things that they're really good at and the things that they have historically not been good at. And to say that Apple is not good at operations is just ridiculous because that's what they're best at. You might pick at things that Apple does that you don't like, but to say that Apple couldn't, you know, is the biggest tech company in the world with the most money and the longest-term contracts, and they decided last second to change their screen size and can't find enough of them, you know, at a time when everybody else can find, you know, tons of screens for smartphones that aren't selling, it's just so purely ridiculous. It really, it doesn't even, it's not so much bad for the Taiwanese journalist who scribbled this up. It looks really bad for Bloomberg because Bloomberg is doing so bad in their, in their reporting of tech news. It's just irresponsible. Things like that affect Apple's stock price. But more to the point, you wonder, do these publications in Taiwan make it up? Or do you have critics or 
Apple's opposing companies feeding information like this to make Apple look bad? I couldn't answer that without making something up. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, don't, I wasn't standing over the guy when he wrote it. But, you know, in journalism, there's a lot of stuff that gets, some stuff gets made up just because somebody sort of has a hunch. I noticed um, there was some site that recently he was talking about how the entire shell of the next iPhone was going to be liquid metal. I think it was Boy, Ge- Boy Genius or whatever. And he's basically just like, oh, I, I'm putting two and two together and I'm thinking up all this stuff. And it's like, well, that doesn't really make sense, does it? Um, so in some cases, you just have people saying, you know, putting things together, thinking that, you know, maybe if I'm right, I'm going to look really smart because no one else thought of this. And then um, in other cases, you have a situation where you have somebody who doesn't really know much about a situation just putting things together. And you see a lot of that with, like, larger companies, journalists, who are writing a story on something. And to them, it makes sense that, you know, this and this and this go together, so this must be the case. And um, I see a lot of examples of that. And in other cases, you do have, like you mentioned, um, a company who wants to kind of seed discord or, you know, we used to call it fear, uncertainty, and doubt in the 90s. It was kind of Microsoft's, one of the things that they were good at was was anytime any competitor came out with a product that was really promising, they would try to shoot it down and at the same time say they were going to do it themselves in two years. And it kind of prevented any competition from occurring. Until people woke up and realized, this ain't happening. Well, I think a lot of a lot of what helped was the internet and that you just didn't have, it wasn't like this cabal of, you know, a handful of journalists who were buddy with Microsoft that were just saying whatever the company told them to say. Uh, that's still very much the case, but now you have a lot more criticism. You have a lot more, I guess, peer review of things that go up so that you can say, you know, this is crazy ridiculous and people get it. I mean, they start realizing that just because of a, 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 intelligent-looking news company comes out with some report doesn't mean that it's true. Well, you also have the report, for example, XX Company is going to come out with XX product to compete with something from Apple. All right? And what has that done for anyone lately? How many companies have actually had products that do compete with Apple in terms of sales? Yeah, it used to always be the iPod killer. But that was a long time ago. (laughs) And you had the yeah, iPhone still, killers still, and the iPad killers. Now, the closest to an iPhone killer, I guess, in terms of sales, was the Samsung Galaxy S4, but I understand sales are flattening on that product. Yeah, and that wasn't really, I mean, Android phones have been selling a lot, but they haven't really done much to the iPhone. I mean, you can, you can, sort, of, you can sort of tell yourself that Apple could sell more iPhones if there was nothing else on the planet. And that's probably true. I mean, perhaps they could. Um, but that's never been like realism. No one ever thought that Apple would have would be the only company capable of selling a smartphone for you know five six years after the first iPhone came out. Um, what we're really seeing though is that even the the high end sort of um, devices that are on the, in the on the class level of the iPhone, the latest iPhone, you know things like the HTC One and the Samsung Galaxy S line. Um, they're selling in quantity to comp- to individuals who don't like Apple. They're not pulling Apple customers away. There's very few iPhone users that are saying, my next phone's going to be a Samsung. And if Whereas you at- more people who use Android products, four times as many 
We'll consider going to an iPhone next. More to come. With Daniel Aaron Dilger, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Join us in Joshua Tree, California, August 9th through 11th for the Contact in the Desert UFO Conference. A weekend of in-depth exploration into ancient aliens, human origins, crop circles, UFO sightings, and new evidence of ongoing contact. The conference will feature films, panels, lectures, workshops, and fieldwork with leading experts including Stephen Greer, Giorgio Sukalas, Graham Hancock, Jim Mars, Michael Tellinger, Laura Eisenhower, Jason Martell, David Wilcock, Doc Wallace. David Serrata, and many, many more of the biggest names in UFOlogy. The conference will coincide with the Perseid Meteor Shower, and the Joshua Tree Retreat Center offers the perfect place for sightings through the clear desert sky. Enter to win a free ticket at contactinthedesert.com. We look forward to seeing you in Joshua Tree in August for a serious look at mounting evidence that we are not alone. For more information, go to contactinthedesert.com or call 760-365-8371. Got a simple question for you. Can you sell? Yes? Okay. Can you sell the intangible? If yes, and you'd like to work 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, with no overtime, no weekends, if you're passionate about not closing sales, but about opening relationships, if you truly have a desire to serve global clients who need your advertising expertise, and you're local to the Twin Cities and Burnsville, are hardworking, self-driven, with experience in sales, marketing, or advertising, are personable and a whiz on the phone, GCN wants to talk with you right now. GCN, the Genesis Communications Network, is one of the largest independent talk radio networks in the world and we're hiring right now we offer benefits and an excellent commission structure experience preferred but we'll train the right person is that you submit your resume today to advertise at gcnlive.com again that's advertise at gcnlive.com come work with the genesis communications network an equal opportunity employer A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there. 
and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months, simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. On the Tech Night Owl live, we have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. And we're talking lots of things. We started out with Apple TV in the future of the living room, and then we're focusing on the inevitable platform wars about publications and people that make crazy claims about Apple with no support, either hoping to hurt the company or hoping that if you throw enough darts at the wall, some will reach their target. I think there's been a really concerted effort recently to depress Apple's stock because there's a lot of companies that realize that Apple has tremendous potential. And when the stock was really high, you can't really profit on that potential. But if you drive the stock down, then you can profit on it. So to drive it down, you have to generate a lot of false information. And they're taking advantage of the fact that Apple is doing this thing where they released all their stuff right in the fall last year, right before the holiday season. And then they went for several months without releasing anything. So, so the media is like coming up with this idea that Apple doesn't have any ideas left. And it's like, well, actually, Apple's ideas are the same in quantity. It's just that they're realizing that if they introduce stuff before people are going to buy them, they sell more than if they trickle out you know, product introductions in March and May and other months when people are buying less of them. I mean, Apple is kind of magnifying its sales using the cyclical thing of lots of people buying things in the in this quarter want to maximize when the highest value of new products are going to be and they can continue to buy them the rest of the year but we're maximizing when people are, are buying them so they're kind of using that sales cycle to suggest that nothing is happening in the apple world for all these months and it's quite effectively has pushed the stock price down dramatically so if you look at Almost a year ago, was it August or September of last year, Apple and Google were tied around $700, their stock. Today, Apple is, what, four, $430, and Google is something like um, 900 So Google has continued to go up. But what is Google going to do to make a huge amount of more money? They only have one trick. They, they're, they're monetizing the Internet. They're doing a good job of it, but they don't have a way to just suddenly start making huge amounts of more money. Where Google has shown, or Apple has shown that they can continually create new markets. They created the smartphone when nobody thought that Apple could enter that market. And then a couple years after doing it, they um, three years after, I guess, they introduced the iPad, which was a device that had failed for everybody for years, including Apple. I mean, Apple introduced one of the first tablets, and it failed for eight years of trying. That was uh, the Newton, by the way, folks. And then Microsoft tried for 10 years after that and couldn't get it to take off. And so Apple comes out with this product and defines a new category and not only creates a huge new category of, of wealth-producing device sales, but also eats into 
the PC market that it has never been able to eat into before and enters the enterprise market. That's incredible. Nobody does that kind of stuff. And to go forward and say, oh, Apple's probably not going to do anything anymore is pretty purely ignorant and, and just like incredibly naive and to, to an extent that it's hard to come up with adjectives enough. And at the same time saying, oh, all these other companies are going to do all this crazy stuff when, when you know that it's really difficult. It's difficult to come up with a good product, but even if you have a good product that people like the idea of, it's hard to get it established if you don't have the marketing channels and the resources behind it and all this kind of stuff. I mean, look at Palm. Palm came out with this device that people thought they liked and was getting re- good reviews, but they couldn't sell it. They couldn't produce it. They couldn't market it, and they couldn't find buyers. The same thing with you know things like Google TV and all these different things that people have tried to push out there. I think Google Glass is going to be the same way. I mean, it's, it's like this sort of novel idea, but it's like, who's going to buy it? And how is Google going to sell things? Google can't even sell smartphones. Google can't even sell smartphones at the peak of smartphone. They can't sell tablets at the peak of tablet. How are they going to sell some quirky, weird thing you wear on your face that just like walks around and says, I'm videotaping you all the time? I mean, it's just stupid. I've seen the reports about Google Glass, and I think of movies where they have the office nerd who's always hanging around his computers, and he has the Google Glass, you know, so they'll sell it to, what, 10,000 nerds around America. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the segue. It's kind of like this sort of interesting idea that you might want to try out, but it's not something you're going to want to wear, wear around your face, and you can't even wear it in a lot of places. And it's just not a mass-market thing. It's like a, a secondhand smartphone that you have strapped to your face. It's, it's just it's not a brilliant idea. There's, like, interesting interesting parts about it, but it's just not this huge mass market thing that's going to make huge amounts of money. It's pretty obvious that it's not. And, you know, people look at the tablet and they're like, oh, well, the tablet, you know, whatever, but it's Google Glass. And what tablets are doing is like, it's not just people laying around the couch watching a tablet. It's there's applications in healthcare and in education and in government and, you know, the military using this stuff. And it just makes sense for a lot of different things. It's this general purpose thing that works in a lot of ways. Did and you see I, the new ad, by the way, from Dish Network with their Hopper series where you're able to skip commercials and everything? Now they're offering people a free iPad. Oh, yeah, and the guy's sitting on the porch watching television nonstop on his iPad. <laughs> the, the grumpy grandpa or whoever. It's a lot of iPads to sell. Yeah, and you're seeing so many. Um, I just saw a commercial for... Oh, who was it? Oh, it was MySpace. And it wasn't even like, this is our new website. It's like, it's basically, this is our new app. And it's like, get it on the App Store. And there's no Apple logo. There's no suggestion of iPhones or iPads or anything. But it's just like in big letters, get it on the App Store. And everybody knows what that is. Apple has tremendous market power to do whatever they want to do. And it's interesting that the things Apple is doing are not draconian and awful. Usually when a company has tremendous power, they start immediately like doing the kind of things that Verizon and AT&T do. Because they have a lot of market power in the United States. But Apple is making so much money legitimately that they don't have to be super cheap about everything. Or do you schemes like AT&T with this new plan where you pay extra per month and you're able to upgrade your phone regularly, but they don't discount your regular service plan. So you're basically paying for a phone twice. You're paying your regular service plan, which would normally include your smartphone or your feature phone subsidy payment, and then you pay an additional monthly payment to be able to upgrade more often. Yeah. Isn't that a crazy stunt? Yeah, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of companies that once they get big, they, they kind of undermine their own size by doing 
kind of shicey things like that. And that's kind of what Microsoft was doing. They were trying to push in advertising and push, you know, just trying to get money out of everything. But, I mean, Apple has a business model where people buy its stuff every year. You buy new stuff, and you buy new stuff for your kids, and then they buy new stuff. And then it's just they, they have a very kind of legitimate business model of producing stuff that people want. And it's at the same price everyone else is charging, but Apple has such economies of scale that they can make really cool stuff that's competitive. So they're in this like really golden spot right now. And going forward, they can come up with some new ideas for new products and then keep enhancing what they have. And they can keep building out stores so they're selling more and more and more of this stuff. So Apple has a very kind of organic growth curve in front of it where they're going to grow no matter what. And they're going to be selling a lot more software, too, because there's just so many devices out there that people are buying up stuff, content. And so for Apple to launch new things is not extraordinarily difficult. They have an audience. They have customers. They have people that are happy with their stuff. Everyone else in the world is just frantically trying to copy them. I have yet to see anything really novel outside of in PCs. What's novel in the PC world? They're coming out with cheaper PCs that do less. It's not... That's not really mind blowing. Um, I mean, the most the most novel thing that people are talking about is Google Glass, and I'm like, are you kidding? That's the best we can do. It's like an old cell phone incorporated into a pair of glasses that don't look great. I so, had a quick question about that. Maybe you know or you don't know. Say you require correction lenses. Do you have to put overlays, or can you adjust the Google Glasses to compensate for your prescription? Oh, Google Glass is like a frame. You can put it over. You can wear it over the top of most of your glasses. Okay. Oh, that's ugly. Um, I, I I haven't seen anybody wearing glasses over the top. I I got LASIK, so I don't have to wear glasses. But I have contact lenses, so it's not a big deal. In Except wearing- at night, I take them off. But I've never tried Google Glass. I never expect to try Google Glass. I can't imagine my wife or my son trying Google Glass. Maybe I'll see if my dog likes it. It's very much like the the Segway. It's very much a novelty that that's kind of fun to try. But then you're like, okay, I tried it, and it's not. And you're you're constantly have. I mean, you basically have a little screen hanging on the side of your vision, and so you're it's taking your vision away. You're you're glancing at it. You're talking to it. It's, it's very weird. <laughs> it's distracted driving. Imagine well, driving with one of those things. Drive with them on. That that'd be a terrible idea. But, oh boy, Daniel Aaron Dilger, tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. I write for Apple Insider and uh, Roughly Drafted. And on Saturdays, usually Saturday or Sunday, I write an editorial on Apple Insider that gets people talking about things. We always like Daniel Aaron Dilger talking about things. Thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Yeah, thanks for having me, Gene. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the 
the People Grow Cotton, Weave Fabric, Engrave Ink, Embed Strips and Fibers to Protect from Counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Springtime is sale time at Herbal Healer Academy. Current customers know this is the time to save big and stock up at HerbalHealer.com. New customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Right now, Herbal Healer's spring specials include our 500 parts per million colloidal silver, all sizes on sale, CoQ10 with Hawthorne, Colon Enhancer, Sea Cucumber, Super Fam and Super Male Plex, plus Glucosamine Chondroitin, our best-selling liquid CalMag Vitamin D, and our colloidal minerals, all on sale for spring at HerbalHealer.com. And Herbal Healer also offers certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on to our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education. Since 1988, Herbal Healer Academy at HerbalHealer.com. Welcome back to Get Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. We have John Martellero of the Mac Observer joining us. And today, we're going to start talking about something I've written about at TechNightOwl.com called the Microsoft Death Watch. Now, to put this in perspective, for years, John's colleague over at Mac Observer, Brian Chaffin, has done something called the Apple Death Knell, where pundits or anyone says Apple's going to die. And now let's look at what's really happening. Let's consider, for example, that not too many years ago, Microsoft took a $1 to $2 billion write-down because of severe defects with the Xbox where you'd have to replace the unit. Well, it didn't get that much coverage. Now, Microsoft has taken a $900 million write-down on the Surface, which everyone knew was going to be a failure before Microsoft released it, except Microsoft. And now, I guess, Wall Street's starting to notice, John? Well, there's a, there's a fundamental difference between the two events. It's one thing to screw up technically and create a product that has a defect, and you have to spend a lot of money repairing it. But you have a vision for the future, and the Xbox is you know, doing fairly well with delivering content and games into the home. It's another thing to um, drop the ball in a critical competitive area, in the post-PC area era, with the competition with Apple and the iPad. So even though it's less money, I think strategically it has a lot more weight because it bears on Microsoft's flubbing of its competition in the tablet era. So uh, I think it has more, much more significance. Well, Microsoft reported their quarterly financials, and they missed estimates. Now, when Apple slightly misses estimates or kind of almost meets estimates, depending on which estimate you talk about, Apple stock price is dinged. Apple's going out of business. Now Microsoft really isn't doing so well, at least in some parts of the company. Well, so, there's, two, there's two camps, I think. There's a camp with a stiff upper lip 
you know, the diehards who believe that Microsoft still attends to you know, the business of business. And there's, what, uh, 300 million PCs sold every year, and most of them have Windows 8 on them. Uh, and and uh, they still own 90% of the uh, desktop operating system uh, market. So, you know, the Balmer probably goes to bed every night patting himself on the back for having sold hundreds of millions of Windows 8 licenses to OEM partners. But what what happens is is that people are attuned to this competitive era. The, the sands are shifting. You know, Microsoft had its opportunity in the past to uh, go with a modern tablet. Steven Sanofsky uh, killed that wonderful little courier project back when there were some people who thought, you know, we need to jump on the bandwagon here. And, and that's something that's interesting. I've been thinking about that. You know, there's two different approaches. And I, I think I recall writing about this one time. You, you can look at Apple and say, okay, we're in the tablet era. Let's just jump all over tablets and compete like hell. We're going to copy Apple and we'll, and we'll see you in court. That's what Samsung has done. And they've been fabulously successful. And then there was Microsoft who kind of dilly-dallied around and thought about it and thought about it and stumbled and dropped Courier and finally decided that what they needed to do was ship a tablet with a keyboard and a supported Office and Windows and uh, do their own thing and, uh, you know, not be sued by Apple. Uh, that didn't turn out so well. Well, the thing I see about the Surface is, for all practical purposes, it is a netbook, and netbooks are dead. I mean, if you consider it, make it a little thicker, and it would be a netbook. Yeah, I always wonder why Microsoft didn't position the Surface as a tablet and then sort of under the table provide the keyboards to the businessmen who wanted to use it. So, you know, by and by, you would be seeing Microsoft tablets with a keyboard on an airplane or in an office, much as you see things like, you know, the bridge and the, and the Logitech keyboards here and there in good use, you know, on an iPad for people who need it. But in terms of marketing, in terms of positioning, uh, to go after Apple, in a tablet era where people have clearly demonstrated their preference for a standalone tablet after it is insane marketing. It just doesn't make sense. All them, they have these wonderful, awful commercials. <laughs> I say That's awful, not wonderful. They're noisy. Awful. They're loud. And yeah, none of them the tells keyboard. you anything about what, what the darn thing does. Well, more the, more to the point though, it distracted from the focus of this being a competitive tablet and just telegraphed to the whole world, uh, we're, we're, we're kind of old-fashioned Microsoft Office keyboard doofuses, but, and we're trying to make it look sexy, and we're falling on our face doing it. So that was a bad marketing approach. Of course, right now they've reduced the price of the Surface tablets by about $150. We call that near fire sale prices because obviously Microsoft's not making any money. At the cheaper prices, we don't know how much money they would have made at the higher prices. So they're desperately trying to do something, but it's not as if they have any vision for future Surface tablets. Maybe there'll be a smaller one. Maybe there'll be an even cheaper one. But there's no vision there. All they know is Windows 8. We want Windows 8 to be on the Intel PC. We want Windows 8 to be on the ARM tablet. We've got Windows 8.1, which is kind of sort of better, but it's not enough. 
Yeah, and the other thing, I don't know if we've talked about this in the past, but uh, one of the things that Microsoft did was they screwed up their marketing message by bringing out the Surface RT at the same time they brought out Windows 8. That confuses the heck out of everyone. Really confused. The, the, the point here is, is that the Surface RT runs a ARM processor, and uh, it has a modified version of Microsoft Office, and doesn't doesn't run x86 binary. So if you've got your favorite x86 uh, Windows app that you desperately need for your business, it isn't going to run on the ARM processor on the, on the Surface RT. And, and so that kind of drifted on for a while. And Microsoft uh, said, oh, wait, you know, we've got the Surface Pro coming out later. But, you know, you've only got a window these days to get your marketing message across. And they, they flubbed that one, too. They're not doing too well in getting the word out. I imagine there are some people who might have even bought the Surface thinking it's just another PC. And then they try to install regular x86 software, and it doesn't work, and they bring it back. I wonder how many people have bought the Surface and returned it. I think there were a lot. And and, and also, Microsoft made a bold decision, uh, a, a dangerous decision, to go against the whole cultural meme of tablets. And what I mean is, think back to Star Trek with Captain Kirk and, and then later Geordi LaForge and their tablets. Star Trek yeah. Next Generation. Yeah. Did you ever see Geordi in the engineering section hand somebody one of his little tablets with a keyboard attached? <laughs> no. So, you know, there's, there's a, not, not only do we have Apple with what they're selling that's very popular, but they probably drew upon that, that cultural meme, too, about what we fantasized a good tablet should be and when you try to swim upstream against that uh, with the keyboard on the surface just because you have an agenda for you know preserving microsoft office you 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 have to be pretty uh um, diluted uh to go down that route and uh, and then this 900 million dollar write down is the punctuation of microsoft's misassessment of the market and that's what's got people, uh, some people, uh, very alarmed about Microsoft directions. Where they go from here is going to be interesting. Do they, do they reverse course? They just did corporate musical chairs. So at this particular point in time, does that make a difference? Or is it just putting different labels on people's positions? And it's the same nonsense. You have 20 seconds to answer before I break, then we continue. Go ahead. A reorganization under Steve Ballmer is a organization under Steve Ballmer still doomed to failure. That sums it up. We have John Martellero of the Mac Observer at MacObserver.com. We're covering what I'm calling the Microsoft Death Watch because they're not doing as well as they used to. We've got flat or declining sales growth. We've got the $900 million write-down on the Surface tablet. And you know what? We've got a lot more to come. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. (music) 
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Gold. If you listen to the radio, watch TV, or surf the net, you're hearing about gold. Eventually you will ask yourself, is gold right for me? The answer might surprise you. We protect ourselves and our families from many things. Do you have medical insurance? Is your home insured? Do you carry life insurance? How about financial insurance? If you own gold, then the answer is yes. If you don't own gold, the question is why don't you have financial insurance? We put our faith in things we trust. Do you trust the dollar? Do you trust the economy? Do you trust the government? Gold has always been something you can trust. For thousands of years, people have put their faith in gold. Where will you put your faith? Now is the time to protect yourself and your family. Call Midas Resources today at 1-800-686-2237, extension 242. 1-800-686-2237, extension 242. And ask for Jim Parker. Let me help you get started today. 1-800-686-2237, extension 242. Time and time again. You need to come here and help We need assistance. Please. Those we should be able to depend on let us down. Federal and state and local officials saying help is on the way. Well, the folks here in Bell Harbor say show me. Don't depend on the government to save you. Take action now so that you're prepared for the next disaster with MyPatriotSupply.com. Get the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more at MyPatriotSupply.com. Call 866-229-0927. We are hurting down here, and we need help immediately. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM1, the raw probiotic. 
We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. On the Tech Night Owl Live, we've got John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. Lots of things to talk about, so we'll wrap up Microsoft at this point after just maybe one or two more comments. So number one, do we make sure that Steve Ballmer is fired? Well, that's what uh, Brian, my colleague at the Mac Observer, has been um, calling for, um, that he's not demonstrated fitness for leadership. You know, this this Microsoft Surface scenario reminds me of of investing in a racehorse that's uh, diseased. You know, you look at the uh, numbers, sales numbers for PCs, and recently uh, Gartner and then IDC came out with interesting numbers about decline in sales of PCs, and so you can see the handwriting on the wall. So if you if you look at the future. You see that Apple sold several hundred million iPads. You see the decline in PC sales. You see the tremendous success of uh, Samsung, uh, even though Apple's uh, meeting them in court about some issues. Um, you have to ask yourself what Steve Ballmer is thinking. You know, what's, what's going on here? How does he expect to compete? And it has all the earmarks of a company that's that's sort of carving itself out from the inside. You know, I read an article a long time ago about businesses that they keep up the shell. You know, they shuffle resources, they shuffle money, they, 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 they look like they're the same on the outside, but it's like a cancer. They're eating themselves from the inside out. And what that means is the collapse happens faster than you would have expected. So uh, we, even though we're seeing a slow decline in, in PC sales, and actually it was a little bit of an uptick uh, in other words, a reduction in the rate of decline, but still a decline, because businesses are getting rid of their old Windows XP boxes now that Microsoft's no longer supporting XP. And we're coming out of the recession somewhat, and so the economy's proving a little bit, and businesses are buying some PCs. But it's only slowed the rate of decline for a while. Um, well, well, the other thing, of course, to bear in mind is that nowadays people, when they look for a computing device, they don't just look at the PC. They look at a tablet and look at where the iPad is going now. What is a Dish Network is giving you an older, like a second-generation iPad if you sign up for their new Dish Network hopper service. So iPads are everywhere. Airplanes, the pilot has an iPad somewhere. Right. It's going to be interesting to see how Microsoft sizes up the the, the future, whether they uh, you know take a, a right turn and you know come out with a, a competing tablet in order to jump on the bandwagon and compete in, in that area or whether they're going to be intractable and be stuck in their agenda and their vision uh, won't be the first company that went down swinging because they couldn't change well we've seen that everywhere but you have to think microsoft has 80 or ninety thousand people who would be hurt as that company fails Forget about whatever you think of Microsoft, you know, the evil empire or anything else. Human beings work for these companies. So if you wish them ill, it's better to wish them success in a different way to make the industry more powerful, to advance the state of the art 
not to go under and have people sit there. Not sure. that, you know, Steve Ballmer, sure. you know, he's he's fixed for life. A lot of their executives are. But we've got a lot of working grunts there who deserve a paycheck. Absolutely. All right. Let's go back to Apple. No death now with Apple. And when I ask you this question, I'll mention the fact that now they're starting to predict that possibly Apple will sell more iPhones this past quarter than was expected because of the higher than expected iPhone sales at Verizon Wireless. But you have an article, many of these thought pieces over at Mac Observer. So where has the Apple passion gone? Has the passion for Apple kind of dissipated as the company gets bigger and bigger and bigger? Well, what we need to remember is, is that there was a time when um, Apple was an underdog. You know, um, some people may not remember. Young people don't remember the days when my Apple was a sort of a boutique company, you know, fighting uh, the David fighting Goliath. Apple had this really cute little gooey based, you know, Macintosh against the industrial, you know, powerful PCs with DOS and, and spreadsheets and so on. And so um, there were there were a lot of commercials in the in the 80s and 90s, the early 90s that kind of focused on this, how it was was cool to be kind of different and quirky. And the businessmen would have nothing of that because Apple wasn't focused on meeting the needs of the businessmen. And so you had this big empire, Microsoft, and they did everything that the businessmen wanted them to do in the desktop and the, and the notebook environment. So then Apple came out with the iPod, suddenly started moving into this consumer electronics business. And, of course, we know what, uh, after that came the iPhone and then the iPad, and Apple became a consumer electronics giant not a, a boutique, unique, Unix vendor. And, and, and so that sort of battle of old disappeared. And Apple got really big and rich and wealthy and famous, and everybody had iPhones. And, and so there, that, that edge of the, of the passion uh, kind of disappeared a little bit. And um, that underdog status went away. Apple was sort of... I haven't really thought about this real deeply, but just offhand thinking, you know, they're a little bit victimized by their success and that, you know, you're no longer rooting for the underdog and those those passions for what Apple stood for in the Mac OS have kind of uh, disappeared a little bit. I, I think there's going to be some reinvigoration of that. I like what Craig Federici is doing with Mavericks, Mac OS 10.9. I like the renewed emphasis and excitement and, and, and focus on, on fixing Mac OS X and, and, and not necessarily just sort of letting it drift into iOSification, you know, emerging with iOS. Apple recognizes that these operating systems are distinct because people do different things with their Macs than they do with iPads. And so um, the operating system for MacBook Airs and for Mac Pros should be the best of breed and support the kinds of things that people do. You know, if you've got a Mac Pro, this beautiful black cylinder running potentially seven plus teraflops, you don't want to marry it with a, a limp-wristed operating system. You want to have a best of breed Unix with all those Unixy things that technical professionals and, and scientists and video people want. What is life without those Unixy things? Right. I like that phrase, Unixy things. <laughs> Get all the greatest Unixy things ever on OS X Mavericks 
and you can now spend all the money you have buying memory for your new Mac Pro. I bet when they buy 128 gigabytes of memory for that box, it's going to cost twice as much as the computer. Yeah, but don't forget, people buy these computers to make money. Aside from uh, a few people who uh, will be buying them in order to evaluate them or uh, people who just uh, have enough money that they can just you know throw money at it because they want one. Mostly these are going to be used by technical professionals, graphics agencies. They're not spending their own money. <laughs> They're spending the business's money to make money. We've got to make money for our sponsors. How's that? John Martellaro of the Mac Observer joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Folks, you'll want to hear this. No matter what size your business People don't take you seriously unless you have a professional-looking website. You can empower your business with a stunning online presence, and it's free. Join over 30 million people who have built their websites with Wix. Once again, it's completely free. It requires absolutely no design or coding skills. Want to know more? Check out Wix.com. That's W-I-X.com. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. To thank you for being a loyal listener, we have a limited-time freebie offer for you. Claim your free heirloom tomato seeds, just pay shipping, right now at 123freeseeds.com. These aren't ordinary seeds. These are heirloom, non-genetically modified super seeds that are open-pollinated and can be grown, harvested, and replanted endlessly. These survival seeds are actually more valuable than gold in a crisis. Go to 123freeseeds.com and you can get an airtight storage packet of 150 super seeds free while supplies last to say thank you for being a loyal listener. First come, first served. Just cover shipping. Go to 123freeseeds.com now to see if your free heirloom seeds are still available. That's 123freeseeds.com. What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. The answer is Renovation Teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation Tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. Renovation Teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. All Renovation Teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. Order Renovation Teas at RenovationTea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. 
Renovation Tees. Renovate your health one bag at a time. Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporian e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. All righty. John Mortalero of the Mac Observer joining us. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Isle Live. From passion to the Microsoft Death Watch to the waiting and hoping for Apple's next big thing. Tell us more. You know, in order to write a lot, you have to read a lot. and You have to know a- how to read, which I think lets a few tech writers kind of off the hook <laughs> there because they haven't figured that out. Well, that's true. But in order to know what's going on and how people are thinking, uh, you have to get a good cross-section of the industry. So not only do I read the good stuff, from uh, Rene Ritchie and, and uh, Johnny Evans. Um, but I also read a lot of the, the junk in order to get a perspective of, of what, what people are thinking when they go wrong. And I had noticed uh, back in uh, uh, late June that uh, there seemed to be this kind of ennui among certain writers. And they were kind of bored um, probably under some pressure deadlines, you know, to get stuff out there. And Apple had not fed them with a lot of stuff to write about. There was that, that long lull between the iPad mini in October and the Mac Pro in June. And so people started suggesting that um, Apple was in serious trouble, when in fact, People were going into Apple retail stores and stuff was flying off the shelves. And the reason for that is because Jonathan Ive has this great design philosophy. And that is, in Jonathan Ive's words, like to make products where people look at something and go, I want that. And that's a combination of the physical, tactile feel, the way it looks that, that sort of product uh, thing where you, you walk into a store and you look at it and you go, yeah, I want that on my desk. I want to touch it. I want to hold it. I want to take that home. And so while the, some writers were lamenting that Apple was doomed, um, people were walking into Apple retail stores and, uh, and stuff was flying off the shelves. And so Apple was meeting its guidance uh, for the quarters in uh, the March quarter 
And, you know, they said they were going to pull in, what, 34, 35 billion, and they were right on the mark. If Apple was in as much trouble, and same thing for the June quarter, I'm sure, which we'll know next week. So if Apple were really in trouble, you would see, you know, 5 10% decline, maybe more in their revenues. But we're not seeing that. People are still infatuated with the Apple products that they see in the stores. And Apple customers, by and large, don't do as much reading as those of us who write. So they're not aware of it. They're not aware of all these issues. They're just aware of the product in front of them. They like it. They pull out their credit card. So then I started thinking, well, why are these writers flying in the face of that? What's what's wrong here? And I started thinking, well, you know, there's there's this parallel, it seems to me, with writers who have everything that they want. They have all the toys they want to play with. They just pick up the phone and they, you know, they call somebody and they get a product in for review. They don't have to pay for anything. They tend to work out of their home offices um, these days instead of a big you know, New York Times office with cubicles, people, writers more and more working out of their home offices and working in virtual teams. And I thought, you know, this kind of reminds me of the idle rich. You know, they live a more isolated life. Uh, they have a lot of toys. Uh, money uh, doesn't quite mean as much to them because they don't have to count pennies. Um and, and either do the writers because they just call their editor and say, you know, I want a Mac Pro to review and they get it. And so I started thinking, well, well maybe there's some element here, the psych- human psychology going on, where when you're working alone and you're not around a lot of people for a, a balance and, and uh, sanity checks and uh, things are free that you start getting a little agitated. You start getting a little bit in, uh, bored and annoyed. And you need stimulus, especially since you're working alone in a home office. And so all of a sudden, these people start getting like the wealthy. They get annoyed. They get agitated. They get nervous. They, they're craving for some new stimulation, whether it's that new Lamborghini that they want or some uh, recreational drug or something. And then what happens is, of course, you find out that when you get this new toy and you play with it for a while, it doesn't make you happy. It's not the source of real happiness as people who are wiser uh, and have a more spiritual approach to life understand, you know, you don't get happiness through procuring things. I mean, it's one thing to treat your job with perspective and say, okay, it's my job to do this. But it's another thing to let those human weaknesses seep and creep into your job and, and, and let them affect your judgment. And I think that's what was happening with a lot of writers. They were just bored craving something new. They needed some new stimulus. Apple wasn't giving it to them, and so they lashed out. And so that was my article early July, the source of craving for Apple's next big thing. To fill the void in their own lives. But they're not craving for the next big thing from Samsung or Dell or HP. Where are their next big things? Why must it always come from Apple? That's telling, too, because in a sense, it's it's the... imprimatur on Apple. As exactly as you said, Gene, they weren't expecting the next big thing to come from Samsung because they know Samsung's a copier. They weren't expecting the next big thing from Microsoft because they know Microsoft is in a funk and has no vision for the future. And so while they're sitting there ranting and criticizing Apple, they're in turn kind of implicitly complimenting Apple because they're saying only Apple can come up with the next big thing. Everybody else will follow. And they didn't have that introspection either. 
Uh, you know, it's one thing to say I'm kind of pissed and I'm waiting for the next big thing to come from Apple, but at least it's going to come from Apple. And so I'm rooting for Apple. No, Apple's screwed. <laughs> so there was even no introspection about that. It was amazing. So I had to write about that. So it's all about, of course, people from Apple just not producing enough advanced hardware for them and not reinventing an entire market every three months. If they can't reinvent an entire market every three months, Apple is destined to fail. Where's the iWatch? Where's the Apple-connected TV? Inquiring minds want to know. Am I getting crazy here? No. No, it takes time to develop these technologies. You know, a Apple wants to build a product that, that fits into your life the correct way. Uh, I think some of these um, um, smart watches are without, I'm guessing, are just going to be, you know, little small extensions of your iPhone. You keep your phone in your pocket and it, uh, you know, sends, displays messages and, and allows you to control the music and so on. It's, it's, it's sort of a, uh, let's see what's, let's throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. The reason I think Apple's taking their time about this is that they want to make sure that they really understand the human psychology. Apple has a lot of experience now with the iPhone. They know what people need. They know what people have time for. They know what people like in a product. They know about the human psychology and design factors. And so it takes a while to instantiate that vision in hardware and software and come up with a product where you look at it and you go, Oh, man, I have to have that. It fulfills a need. I want it, and I want it now. It's awesome. It's beautiful, but it fills a gap in my life as opposed to some little geek toy where your wife says, Honey, you already have a very expensive watch. Why do you want this other new toy? Oh, because it's from Apple. Yeah, but what does it do? Well, it does this and it does that. You know, And, and your wife kind of you know, looks like you're like, Oh, man. Do we have to spend money on that as opposed to something that's so joyful and so pleasant that, that your spouse says, oh, yeah, I never thought about that. I want one of those, too. First of all, my wife was never a big fan of personal computers. So it reminds me of my wife where I first handed an iPad to her. And she said, oh, it looks kind of interesting. Let me play with that. You cannot take that iPad away from her. There you go. You know, it is like our constant companion, that and the dog. So do I have time for a short story? Yes, we do on our next segment. We have okay. John Martellaro of the Mac Observer joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. 
Attack of the Rockoids, and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hi, this is Steve Sanchez, and based on a recent study, it was found that 57 million Americans had legal issues over the last 12 months, but only 60% of those studied sought out the services of a lawyer. Why? In a nutshell, affordability. While my friends at Legal Shield have created a solution that can help you not if, but when you need an attorney. For as little as $17 per month, Legal Shield will provide you unlimited access to qualified attorneys at an accomplished law firm for advice and counsel on legal issues no matter how serious or trivial. For over 40 years and with 1.4 million families across North America, Legal Shield can help you, the loyal GCN listener. Representatives are standing by now to answer your questions, so call them now at 1-855-340-SAVE. That's 1-855-340-7283 or visit them at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. What does freedom mean to you? How about the freedom to take control of your own future? At eFoods Direct, we're again celebrating Food Freedom Month. In July, for every $329 you spend on our highly nutritious, great-tasting food, you will receive a $190 Patriot Pack free. For example, purchase a six-month supply and get three Patriot Packs free. The Patriot Pack is a 24-day supply of eFoods quick-fix, easy-to-store food, plus stove, fuel, and cook pot all in an easy to carry bucket patriot packs are the ideal grab and go emergency kit for your car or to have by the back door perfect for your cabin or camping trip this summer or even simply to add more food to your supply free call 800-409-5633 or go to efoodsdirect.com slash alex and get your free patriot pack with purchase call 800-409-5633 or efoodsdirect.com slash alex and remember free shipping every day when you need it the most will your generator power equipment or vehicle be ready gas and diesel fuels go bad quickly when stored and more than half of generator failures during disasters occur as a result of expired fuel pri fuel stabilizers keep your fuel fresh for when you need it most nuclear power stations emergency service providers and ships at sea rely on pri fuel stabilizers and you can too call 888-776-9373 or visit priproducts.com to find the dealer nearest you Hi, Dr. Joel Wallach here, host of Dead Doctors Don't Lie. I will be in Lexington, Kentucky, Monday, July 22nd, Crown Plaza Hotel, 6.30 p.m. You've heard me say it on the air, and now you're going to see me in person. Be sure to bring a friend, and I will disclose the secrets to good health and, just as important, potential wealth. To know more, listen to Dead Doctors Don't Lie or call 855-316-TEAM. Again, Dead Doctors Don't Lie or call 855-316-TEAM. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. We have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. We're in the Tech Night Owl Live on our final segment of the episode in the previous section, in the previous segment, I was mentioning the fact that my wife had shown little or no interest in personal computers until I handed her an iPad. Within moments, she embraced that device 
and it's her constant companion, that, the iPad, and our little Bichon teddy bear. The three of them go together. You had a little story to tell us, John. I can tell you a very similar story. Uh, I, my wife and I have dear friends who live in New Mexico. I met uh, this fellow 25 years ago when I was a graduate student. He's a professor now in New Mexico, and every summer we drive down to visit them, which is an awesome drive, by the way, on I-25 into New Mexico. And all those years, I saw my friend transition from you know PCs to, to Macs, but always a computer person, always messing around with his uh, Mac on a desktop or his, his PowerBook or later his uh, MacBook. And uh, his, his son is also into you know, Macs. But his wife, even though she's a grade school teacher, and I've seen, I'm sure she uses computers in school, I, every time we visit them, I've never seen her use a computer. It's just not something she was into. It, it, it didn't click with her. I mean, she's smart, but it, it, the computers didn't work for her the way that, that they do for, for guys. So we were visiting this last time, and she has a new iPad. And she was using it constantly. She was sitting in the recliner reading. She was on the Internet with it. She was happily touching and, and browsing and, and using gestures. And she was on FaceTime constantly. She, her daughter is working now in India. They were doing FaceTime sessions all the time. And I got a chance to uh, chat with her daughter. You know, There she is, her glorious face right there on FaceTime. And it's like she's in the room with us, and we're all waving and talking and laughing. And that, that communication is just exactly what Apple is all about. And, and so just like your wife, uh, this fellow's wife had embraced the iPad completely as a, as a personal tool because it fulfilled a need for her. It allowed her to, to just touch and read. She didn't have to boot up. She didn't have to screw around with a computer and maintain it. You just turn it on and touch it. And if you want to talk to your, if you want to do a visual video chat with your, with your daughter 12,000 miles away, you just touch. And there you are and you're talking. It's that kind of design. It's that kind of human connection that Apple excels at. And so for Apple to come out with some sort of watch that's a geek toy, uh, your wife looks at it and says, oh, really? You know, do you really need that? You already have an expensive watch I bought you for Christmas three years ago. Well, it's you not know. that expensive, but it's a guest watch. <laughs> so I, I think that any new product like this has to kind of pass the wifely test like the uh, iPad passed. Um, it has to be something where you look at it and you go, Oh, I didn't know I needed this. Oh, yes, this is obvious. And that kind of human connection, that kind of design instantiated in hardware is what Apple excels at. And it takes time to develop that. It's not something you just throw out. You know, anybody can put together a little electronic watch. It has, you know, electronic components. It has a display. It does this, it does that. You throw it out there when you market it. People go, oh, yeah, yawn, yawn. It's just a little geek toy. That's, of course, what Sony does. Exactly. Sony has a smart watch lineup that I think over three, four, or five years has sold 700,000 copies. In comparison, Apple sold about 6 million Apple TVs last year. That's a hobby. Right. Apple doesn't go into a business unless it's, it's mass market, unless they expect it to appeal to a broad range of people, to your daughter, to your wife 
to, you know, everyday people, people of all sorts of uh, incomes and technical interests. It has to appeal not only to some writer at a, a technical website, it has to appeal to a, a young couple where he's a, a home builder and she's a real estate agent. Yeah, those are the people who have to love this product and embrace it into their lives. And that way, Apple will sell tens or hundreds of millions of them. Well, if they can't do that, you will not see an iWatch or an Apple-connected TV. Exactly, exactly. Very quickly, we have about four and a half minutes left. You interviewed Larry O'Connor, who is the founder <laughs> and the head of Otherworld, or couple of different subsidiary companies and they sell low-cost memory and mac upgrades high quality stuff, memory high quality memory but still low cost it is still low cost okay point being here that as far as that's concerned he had some pros and cons about the new mac pro the pro would be that it's going to use very expensive memory which means larry can sell you very expensive memory well, uh, we had a discussion about memory expansion, and, and cost didn't really come up. You know, the current memory chips uh, will probably work. This is an 1866 megahertz bus, and, of course, uh, other world computing will make sure that uh, their memory chips are properly specced to this device, but I don't expect that to be an issue. What's, what's, what is that issue with this new Mac Pro, this awesome black beauty the cylinder with the internal cooling is the the duct up to the center it's just an awesome device is is the engineering trades that apple made and 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 the thing that people are really talking about is the pci expansion it has internal pci e for the processor and the internal components the graphics cards but it has no external pci uh expansion um, as the current Mac Pros do. And so the question is, can the customer meet his needs through Thunderbolt 2 expansion? The limit there is about 20 megabits per second bidirectional with Thunderbolt. The PCIe on 16 channels can do much better, 64 megabits per second. And so we started getting into a discussion about what devices can saturate that Thunderbolt array. And, of course, graphics cards can... And so that's why Apple put two graphics cards inside. SSD storage arrays can saturate uh, Thunderbolt 2. But then the question is, do you really need to go to the ultimate level or do you just need to go to the 90% level? A machine that will make 90% of the customers happy. Uh, there's always that 10% who want everything. And, of course, when you're doing engineering, you have to design a device that is affordable and is maintainable and is reliable and has engineering trades for cost and, and, and current technology. So my perception is, is that Larry was both a little bit annoyed because it wasn't the ultimate, but also very exhilarated because there's plenty of opportunity for other world computing to produce these expansion chassis. I asked him about that. I said, are you going to do a black cylinder expansion chassis? <laughs> he wouldn't commit to that, but he said, we've got some exciting stuff planned. I'm expecting someone to do that, whether it's Larry O'Connor or somebody. That circular expansion chassis, you insert the Mac Pro right in the center of it with plenty of room for ventilation, and maybe you could lock it down. So if you have to travel with the expansion chassis, you pick up the whole thing. 
board right. side by side. I was thinking more of a mirrored uh, expansion chassis that was identical in size uh, that was that would stand side by side. So you'd have sort of twin towers there sitting on your desk. I think the inventiveness of the peripheral makers will come to the fore. And I think being put in the position to have to design these things is better for them. I mean, Apple's taken away a lot of the business of the memory suppliers because so many Macs these days don't have an upgradable <clears throat> memory. So let's see how that works out when the Mac Pro comes out, what kind of accessories it'll have. It'll be expensive regardless. John Martellaro, tell us where we can find more of your stuff. Ah, I am John Martellaro, Senior Editor for Analysis and Reviews at the Mac Observer, www.macobserver.com. And you can find us on Twitter. We're known as Tech Night Owl. We are Tech Night Owl at Twitter. Follow us, neighbors. We might follow you. We also have the other radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And this weekend, we're talking about a book called Beyond Area 51. If you had enough of Area 51, we're going to go one step beyond at Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com. On the Tech Night Out Live, John Martellaro, thanks for joining us on the show. It's a much pleasure. See you next time. The Tech Night Out Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.